at whatever age you decide to retire, you know, whether it's 65 or 75, how much longer are you going to live and what are you going to do with those years? If, if you stop being surprised, if you stop putting yourself out there trying new things, then you die. You die in your head, you die in your heart. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. When was the last time you surprised yourself? It gets less frequent as we get older, doesn't it? By now, you've established some well-worn habits. I know I have. Frankly, they're comfortable. I like knowing what to expect. Mostly. Until I don't. Until I realize that I'm restless and bored and maybe I feel stuck. You know, until I realize that I'm, ah, uh, I'm doing that thing again. That thing I keep trying to quit doing. <laughs> Some of my habits are keeping me from taking my business to the next level. Or they're keeping me from really connecting with people. I call that being in a rut. My guest today is Leslie Kane. Leslie worked as a therapist for a few years which and, and loved it before she went back to school to get her MBA at Boston University. And she then began a career doing business development in AI and government intelligence so she could support her family as a single mom. Now, after her kids were grown and flown, she returned to her roots working in her first love, psychology. Uh, she was then serving as a director in nonprofits focusing on mental health. During her, the course of her career, she had written nonfiction, uh, technical, scientific marketing pieces during those varied careers. And then with so many stories in her, she started to get curious about writing fiction. After several short stories were published in literary journals and an anthology, she then turned her attention to writing novels. And now, in her 70s, her first published novel is due out in September. Amazing, right? But really what's truly amazing, what I get excited about, is how Leslie surprised herself by simply learning the craft of writing, she was surprised by what writing opened up for her personally. And I can't wait for you to hear her story. Before we jump in, I, I want to invite you to listen to Leslie's story with curiosity about your own life. Really, when was the last time you surprised yourself? For me, it was hosting the Midlife Uprising Summit in May. I surprised myself simply because I, I was able to do it. It pushed me way outside my comfort zone. Let me tell you, I had to learn new tech. I had to ask for help, which is always an uncomfortable thing for me. 
I had to reach out to people I knew to ask them to be speakers. And what surprised me is that most of the people I asked said yes. And what surprised me even more, even though I hoped for it, is that the speakers and the people who participated in the event have kept in touch since then. Some of the speakers have since collaborated on other projects or been on each other's podcasts. And it fills my heart to see those relationships growing and blossoming. And I want the same for you. So I want to take a quick second to invite you to join my Midlife Uprising community where you can get to know other women who are looking at their next chapter with curiosity and excitement and coming together to support each other in figuring out our next adventures as we age. We're getting together on Zoom monthly. There are Monday morning meditation videos. And on Fridays, we're celebrating our wins in the community feed. So if this sounds like something you'd like to be a part of, you can get more information at midlifeuprising.com. I would love to see you there. Okay, without further ado, here's Leslie Kane. Let's go. Hey, Leslie, thank you so much for being with me today. Glad to be here. So you have a novel coming out, your first debut published novel, correct? That's right. So that's going to happen September 13th, is that right? September 13th, get ready for it. That is so exciting. What's the title, real quick? Secrets in the Mirror. And I'll tell you why it's Secrets in the Mirror. Okay. Because although it's a multi-generational family drama, it really focuses on uh, identical mirror twins, one of whom is the good guy and one of whom is not necessarily so good. Okay. So there's some And there are plenty of secrets in that family. Right. And it's a psychological thriller, right? Very much so. Which ties into your background, Mm -hmm. which is in psychology, correct? Absolutely. Yes. And this is your second novel now, right? Yeah. You know, I have a theory about first novels. I think that women in particular often get out their personal shit in first novels. Mm-hmm. So there's really too much of them in their first novels. I could totally see that. If I were, yeah. I, I yeah. don't plan to write a novel, but I can totally see where I would be working out my personal. Oh, absolutely, shit. absolutely. <laughs> and so, yeah, that that's. I mean, the first novel is a really good story, but I'm in major revision mode on that to kind of make it distant from me. Oh, interesting. I love that. About the character. You're going back yes. to it. Yes, yes. And, and yes. doing revisions. Ah. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. Major overhaul. So <laughs> cool. So you feel like, okay, you, you had an experience with that first novel and it is what it is, but you, but you're not just putting it in a drawer and letting it stay there. You're, no. you're going to give it new life. You're like, okay, no, there's something here. Let's rework this. I'm even changing the POV instead of... Uh, third person past. Uh-huh. I'm making it first person present. Okay. So that's it's a big just, it, It's like it's this other person that's talking. Yeah. You know, and 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 she has her whole thing, not me. 
I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. So it's distancing. It's distancing from, you know, the, the shit that we all go through. Yeah. I find that interesting because when I think about first person, I think about that being very personal, but it's True. for you, it's a, tr it's a tool to take it and take a little distance. Exactly. Yes. How Someone is talking to me as that person is telling oh, her story. Yeah. So that, so it's like, she's telling Leslie the exactly. story. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's, that's the same with, how I develop my characters and um, most fiction writers that, that I know are into deep interviews of their character. So having a conversation with their character to explore every little thing about them so that you, you become totally imbued in your character. So then when you start writing the story, you may not be be using every little tidbit that you learned in that interview right but that is the person and the person comes through in absolutely the story. i get that because as a as a former performer uh you, if you have a, as an actor if you have a role that is not really super fleshed out in a story in a play and whatever you have to do the work behind to bring right, all right. that subtext absolutely and fill it in so oh, we should have a whole nother conversation about that one i want to know more about that <laughs> we should so what i want to do okay so let's so that's a great point we should um i want to get back to kind of away from process and back to the idea of personal process for you when did you start writing? Have you always been a writer? I have always been a writer, but not necessarily fiction. Uh -huh. As a matter of fact, I remember my honors English teacher in my senior year of high school. I go overboard on assignments, you know, in, in, because assignments, as they're written, are always too simple for me. So I make it bigger. I make it deeper and more meaningful. Uh -huh. And so I had done that for my final thesis in, in high school. And I encountered him on the street like a year later. I wouldn't have recognized him. He recognized me. And the first thing he said was, Leslie, are you still writing? And I said, who are you talking to? Wow, wow. <laughs> so, yes, I've, I've always been a writer. And in my career, it's been nonfiction, you know, professional, scientific, technical, um, marketing, you know, that kind of thing. And um, it's only when I reached a point where after I had my psychology career, then I, to support my kids, I uh, got my MBA and went into business development, made tons of money, you know, it's just, they always pay the people who bring in the revenue, right? And um, so, fine, I went back to my original love of psychology. And I was a director, first regional at NAMI and, and national at CHAD for nonprofits for mental health. And so I'm back to my original love. And in writing, and you know, I had to, uh, in that role, I had to 
put out, you know, quasi-scientific papers and newsletters and so forth to help our our clients, our our our, our followers, our, understand how to deal with certain mental illnesses. So I had to learn to cast a story in this genre of psychology. All right. So that sort of flipped a switch for me. And so I started playing around with fiction. Is it the whole sense of like, I've, I've, I've read, you know, I'm, I'm learning how to write talks. That's like something new for me. And I'm learning that when you're, when you're trying to get across an idea to people, facts and figures, they don't they don't resonate with people people don't take anything away from that that it really sure. is story and so that's what you were trying to do was find the story that was a hook that could get that could help get right. your other part of your messaging across is that it sure but you know you're you've got a point in any career where you have to present the value of your product or your service or or whatever the statistics don't matter. You know, you have to bring in the story to make it resonate. I had to train my salespeople on how to tell stories that statistics weren't going to convince anyone. It was just going to make people zone out. Yeah. Oh, oh, hum, and you've lost them. So they had to connect with people they were talking with. First of all, they had to listen. You have two ears and one mouth, use them in that proportion. So you must <laughs> ask questions. You must ask questions and listen and dialogue around that. And that's the same thing with fiction writing. You have to listen to your characters, right? You yeah. have to be able to get into the mind and the emotions of your characters in and then they come to you in your dreams believe it or not so you okay so you were doing this technical writing but you had yeah. to juice it up and mm -hmm. that then started to trigger your interest in going down the fiction path right especially uh when i was with nami and chad the uh nonprofits for mental health um, I had to write um, every week, every month, I had to write things that would connect with the people who either had the mental illness or their family members, their loved ones had the mental illness or the mental health uh, issues. And that got me into writing nonfiction for human issues rather than technical issues, artificial intelligence, government intelligence, things like that, but the real human issues, the personal issues. And then I started playing around with fiction. That's, oh. Did you so, start with short stories or did you just yes. dive oh, right yes. into a novel? Yeah, short stories. And a few of them were published in, several of them were published in literary journals and and an anthology and things like that. So. Wow, so yes. cool. 
How long was it after you started writing fiction before you decided to take that leap into your first novel? Mm -hmm. Probably two years, about uh -huh. two years, yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 So you, it's so, I just find it so interesting that when, you know, when you start to take on something, the progression of, it's not you know, I think people suddenly think, oh, you just decide to write and, and you write and all they see is the end result, right? There's not, there's no, there's no sense that we see people's successes. We, pe we see people's posts to social media and we see where their journey has brought them to, but we don't see everything that went into that path that brought them to that place and time. So I just find it really interesting. Okay, so on that subject, on that topic, mm -hmm. um, when you and I talked before, I mentioned something that had been a huge help for me. So on that same topic, I did take um, a lot of um, classes, workshops, um, read books, so forth, about fiction writing. And one of the things that I found most helpful for many reasons, which we had talked about before, um, was Donald Moss' um, concept of the emotional craft of fiction. Now, he has this approach that says, you know, you're writing a story and you say, he was sad. Okay, that's one thing. Dig a little deeper, <laughs> all right? How is he showing that he's sad, right? Well, why is he sad? The thing that just happened or something that happened years ago? Um, and how did the years ago thing that's inside of him right now mm -hmm. affect his being sad right now. So Donald Mas Moss has this approach that you start at this, oh, he feels sad, and you keep digging deeper and deeper and mm -hmm. deeper and deeper and finding the root causes, what is driving a person from his soul, right? And my childhood was full of tragedy, trauma, death, separation, abandonment, abuse, blah, 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 blah. So I learned at a very early age to suppress my emotions. Mm. I'm cool. I can handle anything. I got this, right? Well, Donald Moss's approach changed me and it changed my writing. So that first book that I'm currently rewriting, revising, overhauling, that's some of what I'm doing with that first book. And the, the current book that is being published, there is so much emotion in that from, it's a multi-generational uh, story and they're all fucked up, right? And so each one of them, there's complex emotions, both past, present, and the future that need to be plumbed 
so that they can take their own journey to transformation for good or bad. And so it made a difference in me too. And I think, as we mentioned before, I think that's why um, I have suddenly had so many more friends than I ever did because that has changed me. That's made me more open and self-aware and aware of other people's feelings and emotions and more of a listener than I had been. So wow. that's my story. <sighs> yeah, there's so much in there, Leslie. It's, you know, you look at a, a story of somebody who's, um, who's done something that's an accomplishment. You've, you've written two books and, mm-hmm. and now you have a published novel, right? Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us, we, we, we look to what we want and what we think that's going to do for us. And very often what it does for us it's not in the the accomplishment itself it's in that it's in the it's like so there's a reason for the cliche right it's in the journey it's what did actual learning to write do for you was to was to help you get in touch and be able to become more open it sounds like and now the benefit of that is way beyond the publication of a novel, right. it's relationships mm-hmm. with your friends. And, and how amazing is that? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and when I wrote nonfiction in my job and in my research and things like that, um, it didn't touch me. Mm-hmm. It didn't touch people, right? And then when I started touching people, that was the first switch and to learn how to write fiction and encapsulate people in fiction. And uh, you mentioned um, one thing uh, about talk. One of the things that I was afraid that I wouldn't do well when I started writing fiction was dialogue. But it turns out that that's one of the best things I do because I've learned to listen. Listening is And I critical. can see how surprised yeah. you are at your own, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at me. It's like, wow. Do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, there's things we don't even know we're capable of. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Yep. How much is possible if we allow ourselves to be surprised to surprise to surprise ourselves you know that's a really good point because the the sense of discovery and surprise should never ever stop no matter what your path is i mean you can be in your 50s yvonne or you can be 77 like me You can be 80, you can be 90. There are some amazing authors who are still writing in their 80s and 90s. So my friend's mom just, she's just, she's in her 
80s, I think, upper 80s maybe. And she has just published her first book series. And it's a fantasy. They did a like they did like a they went the self-published route. Yeah. She's, you know, she's got hearing issues. I think she's got sight issues. Um, and here she is. And, and, and I guess she's made it like to some top lists in Amazon for, <laughs> it's like That's unbelievable. Great. I mean, That's I, I things like that just fill my heart and yeah, like, yeah. you know, incredible. You know, it's, it's really true. I mean, if, if you, I didn't manage to retire for good until I was, oh, let's see, 74. Um, I kept on retiring and then people would. You had mentioned to me that what you tried to, you tried to retire like three or four times. Is that right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) What did you think you were going to do when you retired? Just out of curiosity. Well, I was, I was thinking actually about writing. That's Uh where I started when I started thinking about writing. And, um, at whatever age you decide to retire, you know, whether it's 65 or 75, how much longer are you going to live and what are you going to do with those years? If, if you stop being surprised, if you stop putting yourself out there, trying new things, then you die. You die in your head, you die in your heart. Yeah. So, and, and that affects you physically as well, by the way. Mm -hmm. So absolutely it does. So continue being surprised. Mm, I love that. (laughs) I love that. Not, and not only, I mean, I also have to mention that, you know, I love podcasting over zoom because here I sit in, in Norwalk, Connecticut, and you are in Mexico. That's another thing that you have done. That's a, a big, you actually moved to Mexico not too long ago, right? Absolutely. Two and a half years ago, um, the a s- small city that has been voted uh, the best city in the world by wow. Condé Nast. Wow. Um, yeah, it's several years running. UNESCO World Heritage Site, a worldwide mecca for um, for the arts. Uh, the San Miguel Writers Conference has is going to go into its 18th year this February. Wow! And the arts and music and theater and um, it's an old colonial city with cobblestone streets and the people here, um, not just the expats, but the local people, their core values are around respect and family. And the goodness of the people are just, yeah. Wow, and it's San Miguel de Allende, is that right? Correct, yes, yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. wow. And that's because Ignacio Allende was key in the revolution against Spain in 1810. Wow. So, so now let's go back to your, to, to like pre-move, like that's a big deal to, you're an expat from the United States. 
Mm-hmm. That's like a big move. We're permanent residents. Have my little permanent resident card. Yes. So we had come down here in 2019 and we enjoyed it a lot. And then we came back uh, in January and February for the Writers' Conference of 2020, just renting. And I just knew that it would be life transforming to move here. What because have, I'm just I'm just dying to know. Have have you like have you learned something about yourself in making that move or in settling in a in a new place? Did you did you know people in town already? Did you have a community there? No, no, actually we met some people when we came down here in 2019 for a three week vacation. Mm -hmm. Um and stayed in touch with them. And then when we came back in January, February of 2020, we reconnected with them. And it's like a spider web. You know, you, you connect with them and they connect you with other people and they connect you with other people. And um, our friend list is bigger than I can handle, actually, to tell you the truth. It's just, and and there's so much to do in San Miguel in terms of, live performance and um, literary and musical and and artistic things going on that I have to set my foot down occasionally to my husband and say, we've been out enough this week. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, um, yeah, everyone is so friendly and open and you walk down the street and you learn to make eye contact and nod and say hola or buenos dias or because that's the polite thing to do you walk past past tables of diners in a restaurant and it's the polite thing to do to say buen provecho which is bon appetit you know so it's there are polite things that are customary that takes you into a different behavior mode and it's it's good yeah. it's it's an embellishment on your own personality when you learn that there are are customs of respect and decorum that you know it's like putting on a new dress you just feel great yeah mm-hmm. have you so Continuing with that theme of allowing yourself to be surprised, have you have you surprised yourself um, in what is new about your life in in living in in Mexico? Like, like is there beyond the idea of of taking on new customs and all that? Is there anything that you've learned about you know you and what you're capable of in making a move like that? Um, or does that remain to be seen? Is it too early? I think it remains to be seen. Um, you know, I've learned um, more about friendship and um, I've never been really good for a variety of those childhood reasons at um, maintaining friendships. 
you know, continuing to reach out. Um, I'm what I like to call an ambivert. Uh, I'm really an introvert. That can be very extroverted for a limited period of time. Yes. And then, I, okay. I can totally relate. That's yeah, ex right, exactly right, the way I yeah, describe right. myself. Yes. Okay. okay, I'm watching the I get clock you. here. Yeah, right. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've, I've gotten a little better at proactively reaching out and um, which is a step outside my comfort zone, yeah. but people come to me all the time and um, it's just really surprising. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's, it's, that it's, it's more about like the they... writing or the, do you think it's, it's, has the move also no. been part of it or is it more about uh, the writing? Okay. The, the move is part of it in that it puts me into a really wonderful environment where people are better. Mm. The people are better. Mm. The, the culture is better. Mm. And that's, that is really good for me. It sounds like a warm embrace of culture. It is. It is. This is the it way that is. sounds. Yes. Yeah, huh. it, it really is. And then the corollary, of course, is that the people I meet are more friendly. And I've been shocked that people eagerly reach out to me to be my friend. I said, no, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> You want to be friends with me? But, yeah, I think it's it, it's this whole mix of getting to the point in my fiction, in writing fiction. Thank you, Donald Moss, wherever you are. Um, that that has opened me up emotionally, and you know, I'm I'm not a hundred percent there, but I'm a hell of a lot better than I was. And um, so it's that mix, a new environment where the culture and the people are so much more genuine. Um, they're not judging you on the basis of what country club you belong to. Mm -hmm. um, and they like to talk about real stuff, not, you know, who's your hairdresser? <laughs> I have to just tell you, like for me, the, hosting the podcast has been a similar experience to what writing has done for you in that since I started this project two years ago, I have so, so many wonderful people I've met. It's just been in incredible. And I am an ambivert. I, I can put it out there when I need to. And I love, I mean, one-on-one -on -one conversations like this, that's why I knew podcasting was for me. Cause this is my, this is my sweet yeah. spot and comfort zone. But um, yeah, big groups of people, you know, I'll, I'll fake it for a little bit and then I have to go, go hide, hidey hole it up for a while. But I've never made so many friends as there, it has been something that has brought something out in me. And I don't know, I still don't really know what that is, but I can relate to that transformation that you have gone through in your writing and what that has made available to you and within you to make yes. connections with people. Mm -hmm. I yeah. am so happy for you. Well, I love my characters. They take on a life of their own. They come to me in my dreams. Wow. And I have to tell you a, what I think is an amazing story. Um, 
my main character had a huge challenges that he finally, finally, finally triumphed um, in an epilogue, okay? Because it was such huge challenges. And in the epilogue, in his triumph, he had, his best friend always ha had um, his own anthem. Uh, his best friend uh, played the Black National Anthem. I don't know if you know any. A lot of people don't know anything about the Black National Anthem. I um, don't. I have to yeah, confess ignorance. Right. Yeah. But uh, then um, my character said, I need an anthem, you know, because the Black National Anthem is one of overcoming and persevering and that kind of thing. And so in the epilogue, he goes off on a, a three-day hike with his best friend and he comes back and he tells his wife, I'm back for real now and hits his playlist. And his playlist is Michael Bublé's, or actually he had listened to the um, um, uh, a different version of it. Um, I'm feeling good. Oh, I love that song. Yes, yes. Okay. So then we went good. to Is a that the one? Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Then we went to a jazz performance that had three female singers um, singing the songs of like. Um, all the standards type all the standards things. yes uh -huh. right and one sang that song <laughs> you're dying oh no right. gosh come down, you know? because my character is in my heart yeah you know? right yeah. and yeah i'm getting weepy now so <laughs> I totally get you. I get weepy all the time. Oh my gosh, I totally get that. Um, so, and I think I'm going to ask you a question. You you answer this for me because I I feel like there must be a piece of you. I mean, that character is must be you in there somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Think or not? Um, yes, definitely. Well. And maybe I don't want to talk about that. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I hear you yeah. there. Oh my goodness! I yeah, am excited. I can't wait to read it. Okay. <laughs> September's you can, you coming. You can pre-order right now. <laughs> September's coming. So again, let's let me say the name of the book is Secrets in the Mirror, right? September thirteenth. Uh, so we're right. a little Atmosphere, early, right? Atmosphere Press. Okay. Cool. Got to put in a plug for Atmosphere Press. All right. Okay. Awesome. And if Atmosphere this comes Press. out, yeah. And if this comes out early, anyone who has access to NetGalley, who does read reading and reviewing, um, it's available. The Arc is available on NetGalley. The Arc. So, so tell me what the Arc is, because I'm not sure. Advanced reader copy. Advanced reader so copy. So that's okay. available to bloggers who read and review. Okay. Yes, Good to know. Yes, Good to yes. know. And then we, you said we could re or pre-order. So pre -order if you don't right mind, now. let us know. Let us know how to do that, and then I'll make sure that I put a link in the Just show notes. Just go to Amazon. Just go Amazon. To Amazon. Really? Yep. That easy? Yes. 
pre-order on Amazon. Boom. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Okay. So I will have that in show notes for everybody. And I I wish you the best of luck with the launch. And as it gets closer, as we get closer to September, maybe we will put this out there again just to remind people that it's coming and congratulations thank you (laughs) leslie thank you so much for being with me today i cannot wait and um i can't wait for people to hear your story very excited well there you have it i loved speaking with leslie i really find hope in her story you know i think it was before we hit the record button for the actual interview that she told me how surprised she's been to make so many friends at this point in her life and more importantly to her that those new friendships are deeper and she fully credits learning to write with opening her up to her emotions and as i think about it now I also have to wonder if the courage that it took her to connect to her emotions as she was writing then translated into giving her the courage to open up to other people. I think when we get courageous and step outside our comfort zones, it gives us confidence to do it again in new ways, in other ways. You know, we start to change the way we think about ourselves. So, my challenge to you and myself is to surprise yourself this week. Do something you really want to do that you've been scared to do. It doesn't have to be public and it doesn't have to be the whole thing. You can take a step towards it. It can, it can just be for you. Something that you can look at at the end of the week and say, I did that. And this is the really important part. Celebrate your courage. Acknowledge it and see if it gives you the courage to do another brave thing. And let those small wins build on each other to help you get where you want to go. Not that this is the only way, but... I personally think joining the Midlife Uprising community could be that thing. I'm just saying. (laughs) Anyway, you can find more information at midlifeuprising.com. I would so love to have you join us. Thanks so much for being with me today. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.